0: Hi, my name is Jared Dilley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show.
1: Welcome to the Sun Solar Panel. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Yeah, Tim Tompkins isn't here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but I do have plenty of other people w- with us uh, today. We've got Evan Sidery from Locked on Suns. Evan, welcome. How you guys doing? Oh, very good. How, how are you? Doing well. I'm glad to be on. We've got Brandon Clean from uh, Locked on Suns. Brandon, how are you?
2: Good. It's been, I looked, it's been almost exactly a year since the last time I was on. So I'm very excited to be joining you guys. You guys always help us out, so it should be fun.
1: Yeah, we usually like to have everybody on a yearly rotation, so don't take it personally. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Perfect. And then uh, we've got Paul... And I'm not even going to try your last name, Paul. I'm not going to Tim Tompkins this. Paul, uh, go ahead and tell everybody your last name. He's from Fanning the Flames, uh, by the way. Uh,
3: Paul Bachelia.
1: There we go, Bachelia. Uh, also, uh, half of the show. <laughs> and he's also my personal lawyer and accountant, just uh, so you guys uh, know that. No, as well. it's Justin, isn't it? No, I, I asked Paul for That's my legal advice because I don't. Yes, but I don't trust Justin's my la- legal lawyer, advice. Tells- so I asked Paul for I asked I asked Paul for legal advice. So uh, even though he's not the lawyer, <laughs> and then my, my favorite my, <laughs> my my favorite friend of me and a man I have to deal with on a weekly basis, Dave King. How are you, Dave? <sighs>
4: How's it going, Espo? What the hell are you wearing? What is that shirt? It's uh, the Count from
1: Sesame Street. Yeah. You know? That's what One, uh, one uh, uh, staring at uh, yeah the the original analytics master uh, the count from Sesame Street I actually was told uh, in high school that uh, I looked like him so uh, it's a, a running joke in my life there that uh, so the count makes an appearance here so. Uh, so yes, uh, Tim is is out uh, for God knows what reason. He probably has to buy some new uh, glasses. Uh, I am playing hurt. I have bronchitis, so this will be my Jordan flu game. So if you see me, uh, what looks like dying on the screen, uh, that's just me coughing. So don't uh, don't worry about it. But guys, we got plenty to talk about. We are just days away from the Phoenix Suns season starting. Preseason in the books, thank God. Off season is over. Can uh, hallelujah. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into Davis prepared a plethora of questions for us to slog through. And uh, so, Dave, why don't you uh, take it away? Wow. Is there a better intro than
4: that? Slogging Uh, through? I mean, uh, we're supposed to be generating excitement here, and you're talking about slogging.
1: Anything you create, I have a problem You know, your whole life is slogging through, (laughs) Greg. This is true. This is very (laughs) true.
4: (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Thank you guys for coming on. This is an awesome megapod here. We got... We got locked on Suns. We got fanning the flames, and we got us. This is great. Uh, so let's let's start this thing off with a bang. Uh, the very first thing, the, the very latest news was uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, saying in a magazine, whatever magazine article, where he and Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns are on the cover, and in the interview he says we are going to be on the same team together in the NBA. Which team is that going to be, Paul? <laughs>
3: um, a team that none of the three of them are currently on.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, guess, come on, we need we need some uh, we need some wild takes here. What team think well, mean, they can end up on?
3: I mean, legitimately, the Suns had a shot if they had gone after Russell this past summer. Because think, so
4: two... think there's no chance now. No, I
3: don't think there's no chance. I just think it was would have been a lot easier if they got russell over the summer and then it's like okay now put together a package of what you got left for towns once he says he wants out but now you have to get two of them to say they want out because both of them are on contracts um but i mean there's always been the rumor like that the plan the warriors did was to get uh russell to then trade him for something else so um i don't know what was the what are the teams that like people thought he'd be push to because that's There's only gone. like
4: 27 other teams
3: <laughs> um because it's not i doubt it's gonna be minnesota honestly of the three teams they're all on right now phoenix does have the best shot at it
4: if, if, if it's one if one of them is gonna stay on their current team yeah okay uh brendan what do you
2: think it's gonna be golden state right what's that it's definitely not going to be Golden State, right? We can all agree there. That's that's uh, Steph and Clay and Draymond and.
1: I don't think they're going to. It's not happening there. <laughs> all six of them.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: I I don't know. Golden State's done things that that are more surprising than that in the past. They may figure out how to how to pull it off. Uh, I I never put anything past uh, the abilities of of the Golden State Warriors, especially with a the new said. arena now. Yeah, they somehow figured
4: out how to get Andre Iguodala on there when they had zero dollars available back in the when they finished off their team construction. How about you, Evan? Who do you think they're going to be with?
0: I feel like nowadays, if it's not Phoenix, I mean, I think we all hope it's Phoenix at some point. But I feel like if you're not on the East or West Coast, like in New York or Miami or in L.A., I feel like you don't have a shot anymore with like big time stars. I feel like it's going to be one of those two, two or three markets for sure, if it's not Phoenix.
4: So, they're, gonna be uh, so <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so none of those guys play defense
1: Man, no, pro- you, you no really problem. No problem.
4: Those three could be the core because you're going to max out. You're going to spend probably 80, 90 percent of your salary cap on the three guys.
1: I saw Can somebody did the math. It would be 75% of your salary cap before China decides that the NBA is no longer uh, somebody they want to be in business with. So, All right. So three guys, 75% of your salary cap, you need you need
4: 13 other guys for 25% of your salary cap, which is about 25 million for 13 people. Can those three be the core of a championship team?
1: Yeah, I could certainly I- see them being, being the core of a championship team. Uh, the, the question is what city do they want up in if they wind up in Minnesota, it's gonna be really hard to, to get other convince other guys to come uh, live in Minnesota during the NBA season. I mean there's they have Walkway, glass encased walkway, so you can get around the city. There, it's that cold in Minnesota uh, during most of the NBA season. I just don't see guys wanting to wanting to live there. Now, in Phoenix, you might have a chance to convince other guys to take less, come play, uh, play with a group like that. But it's all going to be about uh, how the organization's managed and and figuring out creative ways to get guys in and a willingness to go over uh... that that luxury tax to to make it happen which means it becomes more and more difficult to see it uh... in phoenix uh... the reality of it there if you're looking at anybody that has the assets to potentially pull it off and get guys Uh, get those three guys into their team. It's certainly the Suns because, I mean, I threw it out there as a thought experiment. I don't know that this is anything that would ever be considered, but the swapping, uh, having DeAndre Ayton be the main portion of a a trade for Cat, you know, with Minnesota, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's a logical there. You throw in other picks or pieces, and then you've still got, you know, if you haven't given up Mikael Bridges, uh, in that you still have a piece like that that you can, that you can deal. I I think Rubio's contract's actually going to look like a bargain here, uh, in a year that you could potentially use him to flip for somebody uh, in a deal. So there's certainly flexibility here in Phoenix, but I just don't understand if that was your long-term plan. You wanted those three guys, you you would have just signed DeAngelo Russell. Uh, in the off season, So if they're predestined mm. to wind up playing together, I just don't see it likely being here in Phoenix because so, you would have taken that first step. So I'd like to get to the
4: bottom of that at some point, but I'm not sure if anyone's ever going to tell us the truth. But I am yeah. less convinced that the Suns even had all the right pieces in place to have actually just signed D'Angelo Russell to a restricted free agent offer. I don't think, I mean, maybe the Suns didn't, pursue it as hard as they could for sure I don't disagree with that but I'm not even sure he would have ended up available if the Suns were all over him he still would have I think he still would have gone to Golden State the Suns just would have been the jilted one instead of Minnesota
0: yeah I agree there I think overall when you see just what happened this offseason with Minnesota they're in a meeting with D'Angelo Russell then you see the trade happen when he's in that meeting it would be the exact same thing at Phoenix, and that would have broken everyone's heart. But we would also,
4: just be—we'd be gutted if that's what actually had happened in Phoenix.
0: All—all all those billboards, and then he's taken away during the meeting. Oh, That—that would be horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but doesn't
1: you look at that though? And doesn't that lead you to believe Minnesota is the team that's going to be most aggressive? Because they were actually at the table with D'Angelo Russell and had him ripped away, and—and and now, uh, to me, that—that—that. That, that, is a signal they'll be aggressive to try to put these three guys together at some point. Much like Phoenix, they're not on a coast, so
4: they're likely to be aggressive trying to acquire guys that otherwise wouldn't just sign with them, but you're right. So it's possible then... Minnesota could be a place where they end up but you really think all three guys want to spend their careers in Minnesota there you're already talking about it <laughs> I don't know about that
1: no but all three guys are under long-term contracts at this point so that's the thing you've if the at center. least they'd be happy enough to be together regardless of the city at that point and they're all making their money what about Andrew Wiggins here Oh God! Where does where does he oh, fit in? Because that's that's the wrench here. Yeah, he's going to wind up in Phoenix with all our luck. Yeah, you know? that's uh, that, that, that seems Perfect. like the kind of guy we're destined to deal with.
4: Wait you know? a minute! Wait a minute! How does this How does this happen? Wait a minute!
1: You can flay yourself <laughs> all you want, Greg, but there's no way
4: in acquiring all these guys or not acquiring all these guys. Andrew Wiggins said, "You're saying DeAndre Ayton goes?"
1: No. Well, how does
4: how is it possible? No. I'm that Andrew saying
1: Wiggins ends up Phoenix as part of this whole thing because at at this point. I'm just preparing myself for Devin Booker to wind up in Minnesota. (laughs) Because I'm a self-loathing
4: Suns fan. Andrew Wiggins, that's how you came up with (laughs) that. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I might not be able to be a Suns fan after that.
3: They're all going to be Spurs. Oh. (laughs) There we go. And they're going to play defense. There you go. <laughs> oh, then I take so up
1: reading cool. as my hobby, and I abandon sports altogether. That's the way this <laughs> happens. All right, next topic. Next topic, uh, um, and I'm going to go off the
4: off the list again here because we're not quite to the Suns yet. Speaking of guys doing <laughs> teams and suddenly playing defense, like Paul just mentioned, what do you guys think about Marquise, Chris, Golden State, and, and Dragon Bender in Milwaukee, the two best teams in each conference? Brandon
2: it's pretty insane honestly like I know that these we said all along with some of these guys that came through Phoenix that the whole thing was that the the circumstances were just completely wrong for them to to maximize their potential but I also don't think I expected it to happen now like I don't know if Bender's gonna play and I think Chris is more of an injury fill in at least it seems right now but the point you make about it being not only two good teams but two great teams is you have to feel pretty sad about that after watching these guys flame out here and the sun's not be able to put together a, a a plan for them. But I mean, I I do, especially for Bender, like, I don't know if I necessarily think Chris uh, deserves uh, much after the way he handled himself. Uh, I'm happy that he's, that he's getting a chance, but especially with Bender, uh, that, that guy found a situation that's perfect for him. And I hope he plays. Evan.
0: Personally, I was talking about this on Locked On Suns earlier this week, and I feel like this is an interesting question that we asked each other, Brent and I, because I feel like if Bender and Chris were with Monty Williams and James Jones instead of Ryan Madonna and the slew of coaches he had, I wonder if it would have been different here because I feel like those guys would have been taken slower, and that's kind of what they're doing in Golden State and Milwaukee. they kind of mature now after three or four years, and they're ready to finally contribute. I feel like with the Suns and Monty Williams, what we've heard from him so far and James Jones – I feel like they actually would have used the G League for those kind of guys. They would have actually taken them slow, not get to the minutes. I feel like the plan with them would have been a lot different than we saw under McDonough.
4: And plus you have, speaking of G League, you got Josh Jackson, who has agreed to join the Memphis Hustle uh, for the Grizzlies. Agreed,
0: quote-unquote, agreed.
4: Right, right. But uh, what I heard back in uh, the day, back when Bender and Chris were rookies— um, there was a huge negative outpouring from the agents that they didn't want those their kids going to G League because they might not succeed in the G League and and how can you possibly recover from not being awesome in the G League? You, know, you almost feel like if you're if you've got a top five top ten pick in your in your stable of, of players you don't want them flaming out in the G League um, and, and, you know while they're trying to make their way in the NBA. I think that could. You know, there was a big worry that that could totally destroy their careers even more than they ended up being destroyed. So I'm not sure. um, Yeah, I'm sure Josh... uh, Josh Jackson's only doing it begrudgingly. Um, so I'm not sure G League would have helped. But but it's, it's here... almost like
1: their agents knew that they were going to suck and they didn't want yeah. them to suck in the G <laughs> yeah, League. Right. They wanted them to suck as starters in the NBA. Well, they knew Dragan Bender was not even not even not an alpha or
4: a beta. I mean, he's kind of a Zeta kind of guy. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he would have been a facilitator in the G League, too, passing the ball off. So it would have been interesting. Um, my, my take on it is... They kind of didn't have a chance in Phoenix because they were top five, top four, top eight picks. Chris and, and Bender and Jackson. Um, you can't let those guys just be low rotation players. You can't. The fans, the ownership, the organization would not have been happy with those guys being 10th to 15th level guys and be happy with that as top 10 picks. Uh, but now with Golden State and with Milwaukee, they're allowed to be. Marquise Chris, we're all happy for him. We're excited for him that he can be the fifteenth guy on a roster. You know, we're excited for Dragan Bender to be the fifteenth guy on his roster. Um, for those teams, that's fine because they were picked up for nothing. But for the Suns, they never would have, We never would have been happy with those dudes being eight and eight off the bench for thirty out of eighty games. You know, or or five and six off the bench. So that's, I think, the difference between them succeeding, quote unquote, with another team versus succeeding with Phoenix.
1: Look, you are bearing the lead here too. We're not even talking about uh, the Draymond Green quote when it came to this, and and blaming people like uh, like Us. well, I. I can't. Yeah, he blamed people, us too. People like us, basically. The media uh, not being willing to be tough on on a team, and I just don't think that's a fair uh, assessment either. Because yeah, I mean, let's be honest. There was failure on both parts. The Suns failed to put these guys in a situation where there was true development that they could go through working with the right guys. Uh, you know, not just head coach, but full coaching staff. Uh, you know, and, and people around them to help them grow both on and off the court. The support system was not there, but that does not take uh, the onus off of Chris and Bender themselves. Dragon Bender never asserted any uh, any kind of uh, of uh, will to, uh, to to play well on the court. He was passive in everything he did. Marquise Chris appeared to be a head case for his entire time here and there's a reason that the Warriors are his fourth team now uh, it's not like he left the Suns and automatically sw- the the switch flipped and he got it now and I'd argue we don't even know that he got he's got it now in Golden State he happens to be playing with Steph and Gr- Draymond and in a situation with the Steve Kerr that it can hide a lot of flaws and it was preseason so we don't know so, but, Dave, you're 100% right. The pressure is now off. Nobody in Milwaukee goes, well, Dragan Bender's the fourth pick. You know, He needs right. to do X, Y, and Z. They're like, they're treating it the way we treat Frank Kaminsky, right? Exactly. It's like,
3: you hey, stole my point. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. All right, right. Let's
4: go to Paul. Let's go to Paul. <laughs> Talk about Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> well,
3: cause it's like he's literally in the same situation just on the other side. I, he He kind of flamed out in Charlotte for similar reasons. You know, they don't have great development sorry my alarm's going off um, <laughs> um you know that's what happens I when you w- wake up early um, <laughs> um so um you know he flamed out in charlotte because he was a high pick and they expected a lot from him and it wasn't kind of what he could produce at the nba level but then you know he comes here to phoenix and plays really well in preseason because the pressure's off he's He's got a role. He's a role player. He's a bench player. He doesn't have the pressure of being the starting power forward. He may earn it. Who knows? Or maybe starting center, as some people want on Twitter. Um, But um, it's, you know, they're put in a situation with no pressure. So um, every mistake they make isn't highlighted as a catastrophic failure. And now they can make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Whereas we were throwing guys like guys who were projects into teams that had expectations of being good mm-hmm. and then failing. And then All they're right, let's blend. move
4: on. Let's move on to sun stuff. I know people are sick of us talking about former sons. Let's talk about current sons. We are about, uh, this is Saturday morning right now. You're probably watching this sometime before the season started. The season starts Wednesday evening against the Sacramento Kings. Um sure. One thing Monty Williams said, Coach Monty Williams said in preseason was that he wanted to um, have a core four of players. He wanted a core of four players of which two would play always uh, at all all times. So at least two would be on the floor at all times. So this kind of implies some 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 of us could take it as that's four of the starting lineup two start two starting lineup people on the court at all times with rotations. Or you could just take it as four core people who will always be two at a time. So I want to go around the table and have you guys tell me who you think the core four are. Uh, let's start with Evan.
0: It's a tough one. I've actually waffled back and forth on some of these guys because I think the first two are obvious, are Booker and Aiden, and then... Probably Kelly Oubre third by. I used to have Ricky, Ricky Rubio in my fourth spot, but I honestly think Mikael Bridges is the fourth guy there. So I think it's Booker, Aiden, Oubre, and Bridges. I think just having Bridges and Oubre out there for versatility reasons, I think Oubre in the second unit especially is going to be huge because we've seen already that second unit needs a scoring jewel. And when Oubre now at the start, he's going to take over that second unit a lot.
4: All right. Brandon, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I was surprised. I I was thinking at first when I was uh, hearing him say that that he was talking about like four lineups and wanting to have two. And then I I went back and read your story and listened to the quote again, and I was like, okay, well, I that that kind of changes how I was looking at it. And I I agree with Evan that I don't think it's necessarily going to be Ricky Rubio because I think we'll see. I think we'll see them bring him along pretty slowly. So, or not slowly, but I don't think he'll be a 35-minute type of guy. So, to me, it's it's probably going to be Booker and Aiton, um, and then I'll actually I'll say I'll say Ubre, and I, I think the the other guy is going to be a guard. Um, I think it could be Tyler Johnson. Like, I think he will play just as many minutes as Ricky Rubio here. Um so I'll I'll say the fourth one is a combo of of those two guys cuz I think they'll be pretty interchangeable.
4: This is interesting. I like how we're getting different fours. All right, Paul, go for it.
3: I'm I'm going to be basic. Um it's <laughs> basically uh, you are obviously based. Booker Aiden. <laughs> I'm actually going to say uh Rubio cuz I think particularly with the bench unit um if he's going to be splitting time with Booker, we need him out there to steady that offense and keep them from kind of getting out of control where I really waffle is that fourth guy. And I think that's where most people kind of waffle is who is that fourth guy. And I think the two biggest options are Ubre and Bridges. And I'm going to stick with Ubre right now, just because similarly with Rubio being on with that bench unit to kind of settle it down, uh, Oubre is going to be the offense on that bench unit. So he, he, he lights it up. Rubio settles it down, so that's kind of and mixing those groups up together will constantly have either somebody who can, you know, run the show, somebody who can score, and um, and and whatnot,
4: and whatnot. That's a good finish. I like that.
3: <laughs> I wasn't gonna say defense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, great, well, you can't with the four you chose. That's for sure. It's it's Rubio. <laughs> Booker, Ayton, and Bridges. I just, I do not believe in Ubre. I'm, I'm in the minority with this. I think they, they felt it was necessary to re-sign him based on the energy he brought and and the cohesion he brought last year to the locker room. But I don't think that he is uh, a part of this core here. And just he's sporadic offensively. Uh, it, it, like we talked about, liability defensively. Yeah, uh, you know, I just I don't feel like he is, is part of this core. I think Mikhail Bridges it is the guy that that will. Prove that offensively he, he is improved, and I don't, I don't even think it's fair to say improved. He's just going to have more opportunity, I think. He'll take more opportunity this year, and he'll show his offensive prowess. He's better defensively. I just I think it's Bridges, and then I, I think you're going to have to have either Booker or Rubio on the court at all times to play that facilitator role. So I, I think it's Booker, Aiton, uh, Rubio, and Bridges.
4: I'm going to be different from all four of you guys. Perfect. And I'm going to actually, I am the guy um, probably on this pod. I don't know, but I think in, in the state of Arizona, I'm the guy least likely to criticize DeAndre Ayton's future and ability to be a great player in the league. Um, however, I'm going to say DeAndre Ayton is not part of this core four. I wow. feel like if I'm Monty Williams, now this doesn't mean, no, There's there's other guys, they're going to play 30 minutes a game. It's just that it's okay if they're on the bench. Um, they're not part of the, oh, i got to have two of these guys on at all times. I really feel like that the core four would be Bridges and Oubre and then Rubio and Booker. That's who I think the core four are. They can facilitate, they can finish, they can score, they can do um, outsized versions of those things in their own way. Obviously, Oubre creates his own shot and finishes and... Um, and Bridges just takes what he can get, and he plays total defense all the time. Ubrae and Bridges together on the court are pretty good, pretty dynamic, because they help each other get steals in the half court. Um, and uh, I just think uh, Booker and Rubio, uh, two of the, you know, one of those two has to be on the floor at all times. One of Bridges and Ubrey has to be on the floor at all times. Well, there's two of your four, so that's my call.
1: Dave, if, if Aiton is not part of that core four, Monty Williams has failed uh, systematically at what he was brought in to do. No, here. he was brought in to win games, man. And uh, that, I really think those four will win games.
4: Uh, and that doesn't mean Aiton's not going to play 34 minutes. It just means that of the core four where there's going to be two at once, one of Booker and Rubio and one of Bridges and and, and
3: let's Let's bring it back real quick to our previous conversation, though bringing Aiden along at a pace that works for him putting him in that pressure situation that dude is could still de- detrimentally hurt him and his growth so whereas you have guys who can't handle that pressure a little bit more cuz they have more experience let that be the core Per se, but they don't have to all be the best players on the team. You know, that's the not, to... the team's not always a tactic. Yeah,
1: it depends on how you're defining the core. If we're talking about the four most important players, it's nope. different. If you're talking about which four guys are, 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 are going to be at least two of them on the court at the same time, yes, you are correct, Dave. I, if I'm taking it as, <laughs> you know, that. I get that from that perspective. If, if he's not a a part of the core group, the four guys that are most important to this roster, there's a problem though.
4: I think the other is the second most untouchable guy on the team. And the only reason you trade him is if you're going to get someone like a towns, but, um, or someone better than Aiden. But so I think he's the second most untouchable, but I'm, but in this context, I'm going with a core four of the most, the guys you want on the court at all
1: times. That is fair.
4: Okay. All right. Next question. Now, this, this kind of this might be quicker, uh, but we'll uh, we'll go through. Can Booker and Ayton really be a one and a one a on a playoff caliber team? Now, this is a 50 win team. This is a team that can make the playoffs and be consistent. Like, let's think about in terms of Portland. Portland every year gets into the second round of the playoffs. They don't go. They don't necessarily go any further. But Damian Lillard and C J McCollum are 1-1A and 1A on a playoff caliber team. That doesn't mean the two of them win a championship. That just means they're playoff caliber. So that's my question. My question isn't championship winners. So I'm not talking about Tim Duncan here. I'm not talking about Tony Parker here or guys like that. I'm talking about guys who can do two players, Booker and Aiden. Can you be on a five years in a row playoff team as 1-1A? and 1A? Greg, you go first.
1: I think we'll find out this year because we need to see DeAndre Ayton with a true point guard. No, this is the prediction. Do. This is the season prediction. Pod, and, and man. I will get there. I'm just making a point here. All right. <laughs> Jeez. It's the preamble. Jeez, man. Yeah. Like, I just gave you. I think I think we will see that DeAndre Ayton shows those kind of flashes offensively that you need to buy into it. So I'm going to say, yes, they can be a 1A and, and 1B on a playoff team. Now, if we're talking championship, if you take that next step, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I really don't yeah. know. Just but need to do if one we're step talking playoff, yes, I think they can be the 1A and 1B on a playoff team. When you look around the league uh, and see some of the back half uh, teams that will make the playoffs, I I certainly think that that Booker and Aiton have far more potential than, than some of those groups. So I certainly think they could be 1A and 1B in a playoff team. All right, Paul.
3: Um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, it all comes down to the building of the rest of that team and co- building those with complementary players that um, minimize the weaknesses of Booker and Aiton to allow them to focus on the areas that they can truly excel at. So that's, that's really the thing. Are we there yet as a team? Clearly not. But are we on the path? I hope so.
2: All right. Uh, Brandon? I think with Devin Booker, it's it's pretty much um, at least to the level you're talking about of like a, a competent, above average, consistently good team. I think he's already shown the skills that are needed to get there uh, on offense especially. But like he's, he's a guy where his scoring I think is going to be so dominating that that even if the defense doesn't necessarily get to where we want it to it'll be okay uh the other the other guy is is the concern here for me whether I say yes or no um and I I tend to agree with Greg that like one year is is not enough to say one way or the other but uh, if if we are you know gun to the head here Predicting. I think yes. I mean, I think they can get to a point where they are a good team consistently. Um, the, the concerns I have with Aiden are at the higher level, at the next level of what do you do at in the playoffs? How do you close game, you know, the pressure's on, can you get a stop and, and turn it around and, and go get an easy shot on the other and That stuff, like ooh, I, I do not know with DeAndre right now. But but good, like like those Hawks teams or or whatever comp you want to use, I think so. Evan.
0: I think Brendan's point was right on with what I was going to say there because I I think Devin Booker, once he gets into a playoff atmosphere, is going to be absolutely dominant. He's going to be like averaging 30 points per game because his scoring transits all, all over the court in that kind of setting. But I think DeAndre Ains the big questioner as far as can he be consistent defensively. I know he's he's a 20-10 and 10 guy offensively, but defensively, we need to see him actually get a, like a block and a half, two blocks per game at, at this point. We need to see him take these steps forward and be a legitimate playoff team. But right now, I think he's on the right path. It's a slow development, of course, but I think that right now, if you want to see a consistent 45-51 team in a couple of years, I think they could do that. I think that's really
1: so, so Jim Rose in the chat brings up a good point, though. Does Ayton think he actually works harder than he really does? And and yes. and that I think that every, every young so. kid does. I think so. And that's what Monty Williams has to get through this year. He has to break through that and get him to realize, no, that's not the case. You are not working a- as hard as you can. You are not reaching that that next level. And I think if Monty can do that with the the pairing of of him with Rubio, uh, Aiton with Rubio on offense. You'll start to see the guy that we all hope. Now, if he doesn't get over that mental hurdle, though, there's going to be a problem because he has to uh, he has to realize these things. Uh, and t- to everybody's point, yes, it's a youth thing, but but it's also if you don't have somebody to mentor you past it, it, it could become an older uh, an older adult thing as well.
2: Yeah, the point um, I've I always think... made with Ayton is that uh, talking to him and seeing how he plays on the court and all these different things we've had over the year that he's been on the team is like he really doesn't love to do things unless they're like fun for him or he can get something out of it. And I don't like, I really don't mean to belittle him by saying that, but I think it's true. He always loves when he's having a great time on the court and not so much when it, gets uh kind of ugly and so I'm gonna that's, go back the, that's to that another hurdle
4: game back to last december um it, it, when you say can can deandre Aiden get the stops on one end and the easy buckets on the other and there is there was a game last year that he did that he did he got like two or three blocks or yep, stops yep. in a row defensively at the rim not just out in out in the out in the court but at the rim and they scored easy on the other end he was winded after that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> um, but can he? Absolutely, if he's in better shape, more likely is he consistent? No, and that's the that's the difference. Can Monty get him consistently believing in what he's got to do uh, to win games? That's that's going to be a process. All right, let's move on to our next. And Evan, you're going to go first this time. Which preseason surprise will maintain it in the regular season? So we had a lot of surprises. We had Frank Kaminsky, Javon Carter, Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome. And we had some negative surprises, too, like Mikhail Bridges looks a little bit, a little bit off. Like he's his shot is still a little bit off. Who who which surprise do you think is going to maintain in the regular season?
0: I think cam Johnson I really like what I've seen so far from him he's actually a competent defensively that's the one worry I had about him would he be like just a turnstile on defense he actually is and he's a just- six nine guy you can guard two through four at points. If it's a lighter four like Michael Porter like we saw in the preseason game in Denver, he can really guard MPJ pretty not easily, but he's actually competent enough to guard a guy like him. And that's a really promising sign for me. And that shot, I mean he shot 45% from three in preseason action. That shot looks beautiful. And I think that's just going to translate immediately to the point where I think he's going to force himself in the rotation here where I think he's going to deserve at least 20 minutes of playing time in the next couple of months because that shooting ability and that competent defense that I was worried about. It's there for Cam Johnson. I think just a, having a smart, high-IQ player and everyone like that alongside Mike Hill Bridges and the starters, I think he's going to be playing a lot more minutes than we think in the next couple months. So I'm going to go Cam Johnson.
3: Who's going to lose the time now?
0: Oh, that's a good
2: one. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, Brendan, you go next. I, I think the, I'll, I'll go with the other rookie, actually. Um, a pleasant surprise will continue again. Like, we don't know the rotation yet. Maybe we're saying guys who won't even break the rotation but just as far as like just as far as guys who I was excited uh by what I saw and I think that they have more room to grow I mean it's easy to say they're rookies when you look at it that way but Jerome especially to me was uh, not someone I was really expecting that they would that they would even like put on the court much I know it's the preseason but uh just to see him take advantage of minutes the way he did and and show that the scoring and passing ability was uh, going to translate right away, like a 24th pick. With the history that this franchise has had, we talk about the lottery so much, but they've really never done something like this with a back-of-the-first-round guy either, and uh, it seems like, at the very least, he's he's playable, and that, uh, that surprised me, and I, I think that he should probably get minutes going forward. All right, Greg, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be frank kaminsky Uh, i just i think he showed that he understands what his role in this league is uh, and is now comfortable in his situation like we talked about earlier the pressure isn't there and he showed he's more than uh than just shooting threes he can facilitate a little bit as well so i feel like he's going to be the surprise that that carries over very much like, uh, and, and probably not to the level, but very much like uh, we saw with Channing Frye back in the day where uh, a very similar situation. It came in uh, after having been uh, a higher draft pick and and really was just, good for the locker room, uh, did the little things on the court. I think Frank will be there. The other dark horse here is uh, Aaron Baines' mask. I think he's going to get used to playing in it, and it, it gives him a cool look. So that may be the other
3: surprise that uh, that lasts through the season. Paul? And j- just for fun, I'll take the one nobody talks about. I'll talk about Javon Carter. Um, I thought it was really interesting that when um, they sat Rubio mm-hmm. and Booker and Aiton, he was the one that was chosen to be the starting uh, point guard. That tells me a lot about what Monty thinks of him. I don't know how much time he's actually going to get in the rotation, but I can see him being like in the, like, in emergency break glass, we need to get this guy shut down. He's the one who gets brought in.
1: That's a good point. Very did good he, point. Did he start though? Because Monty didn't want to, uh, you know, thrust a, a tie Jerome into a starting <clears throat> spot where, why where did he we start
3: Johnson. Uh, because yeah.
1: i i think they're trying to not rely on Tyler Johnson as a point guard they're trying to utilize him as a backup shooting guard that
4: is an interesting development yeah. from preseason uh yeah. we k- kind of all came in thinking Tyler Johnson would be Ricky Rubio's main backup and that isn't the case at all Tyler Johnson is definitely the backup shooting guard who might touch but he i don't i don't think Tyler Johnson dribbled the ball across half court once this preseason
2: no but, well he didn't play much either but well he but
4: had that the, one he sh- he made four of six threes in that Portland game like everybody else did. Yeah. Um, he played a lot there and he still didn't carry he didn't hold the ball at all in that yeah. game.
1: I'd argue he that's a Ruby flaw on this it. roster though. What who if it's not Tyler Johnson, who's your backup shooting guard? No, it is it,
3: Alfonso
1: Al- McKinney. No, but they'll just go big. Oh
4: Alfonso McKinney.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. We get the the, the Marquise Chris uh, disposal.
4: How, how no, great I would I think that think it'll be bridges? Be? You Bridges think... should be the backup shooting guard. Cam Johnson, yeah. backup shooting guard. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys who could who could slot in as and be called in a lineup because it's just you're talk, just talking about lineups, rotations. It's true. Um, you're gonna have any. You're gonna have about five different guys playing the two this year. Uh,
1: but Whoa. if you're looking for a guy that that can be the poor man's version of Devin Booker, who can handle the ball for you, can shoot the three. I mean, it just seems like Tyler Johnson. Makes the most sense. By the way, if Avondale McKinney winds up here, it's the most productive thing Marquise Chris ever did for the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> go, yeah.
4: That is so funny, well, and, and you know Matt Moore of uh, HP Basketball, he uh, Action Network, and all that. He he actually tweeted the other days like, so if the Suns had had released their starting small forward to sign Marquise Chris off the off the street, how would people feel about that? And actually, you know, because basically he's yeah. saying. It's kind of dumb to let your starting small forward go when all you've got left is Glenn Robinson Jr. to play at small forward. Yeah. Um, and, and just to keep Marquise Chris, who's never proven it on any other team, that he can actually play in the league. So, But the Warriors are getting lauded for making that move.
2: It's this whole Draymond thing of standing in front of the media every night after preseason games and talking him up. You, can't, you get kind of... Uh... Forced into it when your player starts advocating for him, which is crazy. The fact that Draymond, with all people, would uh, see the beauty of Marquise Chris's game—I uh, think that's a big upset from the preseason. Well,
4: Dang. and and you when you factor in that there's actually been a few um, um, talented but uh, but has to develop skill big men who've gone through that organization that have been forced out because they didn't get a chance. And now all of a sudden they are the player development organization for big men. And well, Kevin Looney has worked out a bit. um, You've got Jordan Bell who didn't work out. You've got a couple of other guys. I think there's one or two on their on their, Damian Jones is the other one, yeah, hey. who just hasn't worked out, and they're kind of like a Marquise Chris, and now all of a sudden Marquise Chris is, hey, we're gonna save his career by the by the Warriors, and I'm not sure he's he's in the right spot there either because there's a lot of pressure there's no i can make mistakes and stay on the court
1: maybe there's a wwe move that's about to happen here and opening night clay thompson's gonna run out during the starting lineup and he's their starting power a small forward there and and blows everybody's mind and it all With makes sense you know? yeah. that's right they <laughs> so
3: just played Draymond at small forward that's true You oh, could do man. that
1: and he might take seven threes a game again this year. So, <laughs> Anyways, wow. let's get back to the Suns. Enough Warriors talk.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, now let's do on the bad side. Who's bad preseason? Who's questionable? Like, ooh, I was worried about that preseason um, is going to carry over. Devin Booker still not shooting awesome, and he doesn't look comfortable in the offense, but they were purposely not targeting him or, or let, giving him the ball in the preseason so everybody else could learn how to play. Um, or Ricky Rubio missing almost every shot he took uh, from long range, or Mikel Bridges missing almost all of his shots. I mean, what what negative from the preseason, are DeAndre Ayton not looking like he's developed into more consistency, even though he says he's the most consistent guy out there? What's negative preseason storyline do you think carries into regular season? Greg, you go first.
1: Well, it's certainly not going to be... Devin Booker we we know that I actually think it's one that you didn't put on the board and I think it's a uh, Sarich's slow start I think that's going to persist and uh, Dave we mentioned it last week but you wrote a, a little bit about that that, uh, that Sarch is, is consistently a slow starter and that he usually doesn't turn the corner till December or January so I think he could very much uh, just have a, a pedestrian first month and a half of the season it'll be interesting to see if frank kaminsky continues uh, to play the way he did if we start to hear people pushing and advocating for for frank to start over him i i don't think that, that that's the right move but it'll be interesting to see because i i certainly think sarge gets off to a slow start
4: well he did make 50 percent of his threes in preseason he just didn't play a lot that's for sure okay so sarge now uh let's go to evan next
0: I think for me, it's McHale and his three-point shooting because I believe he shot 22% from three in preseason. That's a guy who shot a career 40% at Villanova, and that's worrisome to me because he shot only 30% from three last year. The hitch in his shot still seems to be there, and that's really worrisome to me as well because he used to be just a flawless shooter, and now all of a sudden, he's a guy who's inconsistent from three. And that's just a bad sign for me because Mikhail, you draft him to be a three-and-D player, a three-and-D prototype guy. He's an elite defender. He's just being an elite shooter. Year two, but the shooting's not elite yet, and it should be. And that's, I think, that's just a little cautious, a little concerning for me because Mikhail's supposed to be that guy you, you rely on, as like that Robert Covington type of player. And so far, defensively, is like that, but the shooting ability has to come around soon, or it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be very concerning for me as far as Bridges because he's a guy all of a sudden that went from forty percent to thirty-five to twenty percent. It's re, it's regressing at this point.
1: How how worried are? How much do you think missing? Uh, uh, training camp with the the injury and the injury itself impacted that though.
0: It's certainly possible. I, I definitely think that's a, that's a possibility. But I think like the, the form of yeah yeah especially the knee and the form of the shot though that's what worries me the most because like I don't it's hard to tell like on if people can see but he shoots like this now. I don't know why he does that. it used to just be straight on and that just. I don't know why. That, yeah, because, it kinda, yeah, he goes around. Kind of does. I don't, I don't know why. Head. It's weird.
3: All right, Paul, you. Um, I'm actually concerned kind of about Tyler Johnson.
2: Oh, you stole mine.
3: Uh, <laughs> um, because, as we said before, we're kind of thin at that backup shooting guard, and that's kind of where he's being put. And it's kind of a bit of a carryover from last season as well. He didn't put up the greatest stats. I mean, it may be that the team's competent with him on the court, but his actual production... Has been lacking and hasn't been consistent, and that's kind of a concern for me, just because he's kind of his uh, role is kind of a bit of a linchpin.
4: Brandon, since he took yours,
3: <laughs> yeah, no,
2: it was going to be Tyler as well. I mean, I just think the the injuries too uh, was what I was going to point out, which is just the the fact that he missed games at the end of last year and then sat for or sat with soreness in the same. Ah, uh, leg that he had the injury last year. So I mean, it's it's kind of cheating to say injuries, but um, I, I think Tyler has to be a guy that we just keep an eye on in that regard. Uh, I don't really think anyone else had like a terrifically bad. I mean, I don't think Johnson did either except for the injuries. I don't think anyone was just atrocious. I actually thought Sharich kind of rebounded in a nice way after starting badly. So I'm not too pessimistic about anyone. Is that is that acceptable? Am I allowed to be uh, optimistic here? Oh, you're you going to get your heart broken. That's... <laughs> <I know.
4: laughs> We're down to five days left of convincing ourselves of anything. Okay. Um, and then let's see, Greg.
1: I already answered it. Did you already do it? Okay, good. Let's go so on Dave, to the next. Did you answer, Dave?
4: Did I? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'd say the bad preseason I'm worried about is, is um, going to be – how long it takes for Deandre Aiden to be a little bit more clueful. Uh, right now, he's a little clueless on, like, he'll say, like, I I, I went up one day during training camp <clears throat> and I asked him, are you getting too much information in training camp? He's like, oh, no, no, we got this down. We got this down. We, we, we know what we're doing. And then two weeks later in preseason, we a- I asked him just this past week, so are you getting a little bit uh, information overload? He goes, oh, training camp was overload, man. I, we couldn't process anything. And I'm like, dude, you're the one who told me you had it down in training camp. But then he's like, training camp was overload, but now we got this. We know it. All we got to do is focus on the de- details. So he's always a little behind what he says he is. And one of these days, he's got to get a little more aware. Now, he is the second youngest guy on the entire team still.
1: Dave, um, totally I told
4: he's the only one who's younger than him, I think.
1: Dave, I told you last week you need to treat DeAndre in the way I treat you. Acknowledge <laughs> that he's talking, but ignore what he's saying. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. But you, at
4: some point, Monty's got to get him to actually understand what it takes to be consistent. You're right. Brendan's right that he likes to have fun out there. Sometimes fun is doing the dirty work for him, as long as it's productive and it gets, gets him somewhere in the moment. And he's just got to develop more consistency. So the one I'm – look, I think he's going to be – 20 and 10, 20 and 12 this year. I really do. I really think he's going to play 35 minutes a game. I really think he's going to be a part of the best four players on the entire team. Absolutely. I think he's been one of the best two. I already said one and one a, I think he's, I think they can be a consistent playoff team. I really do with those two as their best players. Absolutely. Um, But, does he need to get better and more focused? Sure. Even then he has to get better and more focused. He's just, it's going to be a career progression for him where he's going to get better and better all the time. But that is my worry that he hasn't, he didn't quite make as much of a leap as I hoped in the off season. I didn't expect him to be perfect, but he's still got probably further to go on the self-awareness part than I hoped for.
1: Shaq was one okay. of the least self-aware people uh, when, when talking to the, to the media, you could argue, and but he did it on the court. So I don't care what he says off the court. If he's performing on the court, DeAndre Ayton's fine with me.
4: All right, now we're going to move to our rapid fire, our quick, our quick questions. Uh, so quick answers. We're just going to go around the horn. Uh, fairly quickly, you got about 15 seconds or so to answer. So don't, you don't have to explain yourself much. Just give us an answer before we wrap this up. And, and then Greg can lead us into it. If there's any questions that we, we got to do, but let's do, let's do this rapid fire set first in what category. And we'll always go, let's just do this. We're going to go Greg, Paul, Evan, Brendan. Okay. So rapid fire in what category will the Suns lead the
1: league this year? Uh, I'm gonna say three-point attempts.
0: Oh, okay, Paul. Steals. I'll say three-point percentage.
2: Wow, <laughs> Brandon. Uh, turnovers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, well, we he goes num- safe. Question number
4: two. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Well, leading yeah, league. Okay, so you can, yeah, well Brendan gave two answers in one. Okay. Um, in what category will the Suns be the worst in the league, last in the league? Greg?
1: Uh, I'm going to say offensive
0: rebounding. Okay. Uh, oh. I was going to say turnovers.
4: <laughs> All right. Evan?
0: Um, I'll say, like, defensive rating.
4: Defensive rating, man. Okay. So they're going to lead in three points, uh, three point percentage, but worse in defense. That sounds like a fun team, actually. <laughs> it
0: sounds like it's like the Kings, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Brendan, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, turnovers. I think they'll uh, I think they'll they'll toss the ball around quite a bit. So I, I guess I misinterpreted the first one, but they'll lead the league in the most turnovers, which will be the worst.
4: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so clearly Ricky Rubio is going to have the most assists this season. He's going to be the assist leader no matter what, whether he plays 28 minutes, 32 minutes, 34 minutes, whatever it is. He's going to lead the team in assists. His first six possessions of the game the other night, Ricky Rubio had six potential assists and they were wide open. So that dude is going to lead the league in assists for or not lead, lead the league. Sorry. He's going to lead the team in assists and he'll probably be top five in the league. Who will be the Suns' second leading assist man? Last year, that would have been, like, you'd first think maybe Booker. But would it be Ty Jerome? Or would it even be Frank Kaminsky, who had eight assists on Saturday night in a preseason game? Or somebody else? Who's second in assists, Greg?
1: Dario Saric.
4: Ooh, Dario. All right. All right, Paul?
3: I'm I'm going to go with Booker. I, just, I think him and Ruby are going to split some time, so he's going to be running the show. All
0: right. Yeah, I agree there. I think it's going to be Booker. I think it's going to be around five assists per game.
4: Okay. Brendan.
0: Yeah, I got Booker as well.
4: All right. We got three Bookers and a Dario. All right. I actually think second in assists is going to be, by the end of this season, Ty Jerome. I think Ty Jerome is going to force his way, and Cam Johnson are both going to force their way into that rotation. Um, Okay. Booker and Aiton will lead... Oh, you know what? I didn't do my previous categories. OK, in what category will the Suns lead the league this season? I think it's going to be um, transition points. And in what category will the Suns be the worst in the league? It will be giving up transition points. Um, OK, so let's jump to Booker and Aiden will lead the team in scoring. I think it's almost certain Booker and Aiden are both going to be in the 20 plus point range this year, even if Aiden might be in 18 points, but still they're going to be the top two in scoring. Who will be the team's third leading scorer? Greg. It'll be Ubre, but it won't be pretty. Okay. It'll be an ugly. Uh, it'll be, it'll an be ugly... Ineffic-
1: inefficient.
4: Okay. Paul.
3: Um, Ty
4: Jerome. Ooh. Ooh. Third on the team in scoring. Ty Jerome. He does have a sweet shot, and he knows how to get a shot anywhere. That's good. That's interesting. All right, Evan.
0: I'll say Ubre as well. I'll say like fifteen and a half points per game, but like Greg said, I think it's gonna be like really inefficient this year from what we've seen in preseason so far, at least.
4: Wow. Okay, Brendan.
2: I'll go. I'll go. Uh, Tyler Johnson. I'll throw a, a curveball in there. Wow.
4: Okay. All right. Here we go. So third leading in Ty- is Tyler Johnson. Interesting. Okay. Dave, who do you uh, have? And I think the third leading scorer actually is going to be Kelly Oubre too in an inefficient way. I wish it would be Dario Sarge because that would mean that he really, really is the guy we wanted him to be. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it'll be Rubio. I think Rubio would be fourth or fifth or sixth in scoring. So we've got to go Oubre, I guess. All right. Now, Aiden is going to lead the team in rebounds. That's pretty obvious. Who's going to be the second leading rebounder on the team? greg
1: uh aaron baines
4: you think aaron baines mr backup mr 15 minutes a game for his career every every place he's ever played he got 15 minutes a game the australian national team three different nba teams he's gonna college team in the states he was he was like he's about the most consistent 15 minutes a game five rebounds Five-points guy I've ever seen in my life.
1: He's going to hustle his way into this lineup, and I think there's even times where he may close games if DeAndre isn't showing the effort.
4: <clears throat> I do think he will close some games, that's for sure, uh, early in the season to send a message. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Okay, Paul. Kai Jerome. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shut up. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was real uh, Sarge.
4: Sarge? You think yeah. Sarge is going to be second in the team in rebound? All right, Evan? I'll go with Kill Kelly, oh, okay. Interesting. I was
0: debating
3: that one.
2: All right. Yeah, I was, I was going to go Bray as well, but I will uh, uh, I'll go with, with Baines. I think that's probably the, the most safe answer. I know he'll not play a lot of minutes, but if we're just talking like when he's in the game per 36 or whatever numbers you want to use, like I think he'll be right there.
4: On a per 36, I totally agree with you guys, Baines, for sure. I just don't think he'll get enough minutes. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be Sarge. I think it's got to be Darius Arch. I really think he's going to average about seven, seven and a half. His second year in the league, he was um, only 23 and he was with Philadelphia, 51 wins. And he was their starting power forward. And he was like um, 15 points and seven rebounds a game. And I think he's going to do that again. All right. So our last rapid fire question. This is the this is the ultimate question of the pod. We are going to lay our hearts out there. We're going to tell you who, how we think the Suns are going to do this year all in one number. We are going to predict the number of wins that the Suns are going to have this year. This is going to be for all time. We're going to play this YouTube over and over and over again. You guys are going to be stuck with this number for the rest of your lives. Greg, how many wins do the Suns end up with at the end of 82 games?
1: 33.
4: 33. That is a fourteen-win improvement. Thirty-three. Um, it was. <clears throat> uh, this is Sam Vassini's podcast I was listening to the other day, and they were talking about the over/unders on the Suns. The Suns have over/unders around twenty-seven. Um, that means they've gotta they've gotta win eight more games than they did last year. And I had previously done this research, and they did it as well. That there's only about eight teams. There's only seven or eight teams in the league who had eight plus wins um, over the previous year, you know, won eight, more, eight or more games over the year before Um, last year in the league. That's almost a third of the teams. So that's pretty good. But at the same time, that's a lot of extra wins. So, Greg, you're predicting 14 extra wins. I think the only team who did that a year ago was the Kings.
1: Dave, you kind of lost the whole uh, rapid-fire part of this. You tell us one word, and then you go on a diatribe. You just wanted more time to talk.
4: (laughs) I just wanted more time for myself. 15 seconds for you, two minutes for me. All right. Okay. All right. So, Paul, how many wins?
3: I'm going to go with 31. 31? Yeah, I think that I think there's been enough turnover of the team with actual competent M- NBA players that they will
0: look like a competent team, which is about thirty wins, thirty-one wins.
4: All right, um, Evan.
0: I'm going to go in between what Greg and Paul just. I'm going thirty-two. like Your
3: price, price is writing
0: right. it?
1: No, that that's the worst Price is Right bid. You never bid <laughs> in between two people. Exactly, that's just bad. I bid one. Yeah, exactly.
4: (laughs) All right, Brandon, what's your bid?
2: Uh, I'm higher than everybody here. I've been holding myself to the number because I I set it to start out, but I'll go 35. I do just want to mention too, though, that the over under in in Vegas is 29 and a half. So there is an expectation this team improves by quite a bit just with what they did this summer so I don't think we're all like crazy to think that they'll be one of the most improved teams but I'm going above everybody anyway I'll go 35.
4: 35. All right so yeah so it's at 29 and a half now I think there was one site that had it at 27 and a half so but you're right I think the the consensus right now is 29 29 and a half um, okay then let's see what's my prediction my predictions so we have so far we have 31. 32, 33, and 35. I actually did a prediction for SB Nation, and it came in at 34. So we can all have <laughs> our own. But you know what? On this pod, on this special, this Megapod special, I'm actually going to be Mr. Optimistic, and I'm going to go all the way up to 38.
2: Oh, my goodness. I thought hey, you were going to sit down for a second, They're going to double.
4: Yeah, yeah. they're going to double their wins. 38.
2: Aren't we all going to look dumb at when they get
3: forty-four? Aren't
1: they? Aren't they? Are we all going to look dumb when they win forty-eight again in a surprise season that none of us saw coming? Yeah, I'm that'll like... be
3: happy. Though. I'll be that's happy. That's true. Player. I'll if, take if that. Win, that. If they win forty-eight, I would say we kind of saw it coming. In a way, we're just being conservative.
4: <laughs> well, we true. are being conservative. I think. Um, yep. Uh, you know, I see a lot of positives in this team. I really, really do. I love. The way actually they're responding to, you know, it just shocked the heck out of me. So Igor, I really loved as a coach. I really thought Igor was a great coach. He didn't somehow he didn't connect with his players. He didn't get them to buy in. I mean, and he had a really, really, really bad roster. It was a terrible roster, but they were they were last in the league in pace in preseason a year ago. And in all that, I mean, he couldn't get these guys to actually play at a fast pace, whereas Monty, who comes in with a reputation of a slow pace, they're fourth or actually they finished ninth after a bad game against Denver. But they were fourth going into that Denver game in pace. That's pretty great. And for especially for a Monty Williams team. And they were they were taking because they take quick shots. They take early when your shots open, you take it. I like how he's got these guys responding. I like how there's actual NBA level players at every position, at every rotation spot. And that the rookies have to earn their way. I think it's all really, really positive.
1: The difference what, is yeah. simply having a point guard. I think that makes makes it such a difference in, in the speed and, and the operation of your offense when you're not trying to force G League talent or, or Devin Booker to run the show for you. How much yeah, have- it would be
4: really interesting seeing Devin Booker and how he grades in this offense if it's not a Devin Booker or the rest of the yeah. team thing.
2: It's my number one question right now.
3: How much do we have to worry about them getting off to a slow start? Because that first 12 games is brutal.
2: The first
4: 12 games is brutal for sure, but they
1: have nine of them at home. Does home matter, though, when it's a half full full arena? I I mean, I, I hate to be pessimistic in that way, but let's be honest, this isn't... Uh, this isn't the Purple Palace of the 90s or, or the Planet Orange of, of seven seconds or less. This is a much different dynamic at, at home now, outside of Look, being I more totally comfortable. You,
4: but. I totally get what you're saying, Greg. But um, having been at all these home games, um, struggling through, I mean, you know, everyone owes me a beer for this. But I've been at all these freaking games the last few years. And one thing that is consistent, it doesn't matter if the stadium is two thirds full and it doesn't matter if half of those are fans of the other team, if the Suns are within five points in the fourth quarter and, and they're, they're, you know, really closing out a game, that stadium still gets really loud. And the players talk about it after the game, as the, as the, as the fans help carry them at the end of the game. Um, So I really do think being at home does matter unless you're getting blown out by 20. Look, If they start getting blown out by 20, it doesn't matter where they're playing. That's for sure. But if it's a close game, these fans are going to help them finish off some of those games. And it's going to be a really fun environment. So, yes, I do think it matters that you're at home. All right. Well, that was our round of questions. Um, As a wrap up, do you have any final thoughts, Evan?
0: Uh, I'm just excited for the season. I know we're less than a week away now, and I think since we started covering the team, Brandon and I, on the Locked On Suns podcast, I think we're actually excited now for optimism this year because we've been seeing 21 wins and 19 wins, and I think the mountains going to climb back up this year. I, I think what we predicted that today with all this going above 30 wins. I think this team should be above 30 wins, and actually, this is the most talented team I think we've all seen in the past three or four years.
4: All right, Brandon. Any closing thoughts?
2: Just happy everybody's healthy. That's the uh, one thing that I think is. Uh, has to be part of like why we're so optimistic here like this is a a team where last year we had Devin Booker the best player on the team as questionable for opening night obviously he went on to play and then soon after that went back to the shelf but no one in the main rotation no one really at all on the roster is dealing with injury concerns right now and I think when we talk about them getting off to a good or bad start I think that has to be a reason to think that they will at least be competitive to start things off so uh, a good note I think for sure.
3: Paul. Oh, well, I mean, door. I am from the podcast of optimism, so I'm glad that everybody else is getting on our bandwagon. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, um, I've, I'm just I'm looking for forward to the season just because every other sport I have followed has had a crushing season, and it's, it's nice to start fresh again. So and actually have hope.
1: Greg, it is exciting to actually feel like we're going to watch a team that's going to be entertaining. Because it's been a while since we've had entertaining basketball, even uh, just that 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 mild threshold to cross with this and there's no doubt in my mind that this team will be entertaining this year now i don't know that that it will translate into huge success maybe we're all surprised and yeah like we said they're they're in the 40s in wins and and it's it's beyond all of our wildest imaginations but at least i can guarantee this is going to be entertaining more so than anything we've seen in the last three or four years Uh, and that's that's enough to get me through uh Uh, Get me through and enjoy this year.
4: Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I say this every year, though. I listened to myself from a year ago, and I was excited then too. Somehow, although I still predicted under 30 wins, so this year I definitely feel a ton better about the team. I really think they're going to be interesting and fun to watch, and they're not going to fold uh, like Tyler Johnson said last February when he was when he was acquired in January. But he said like late January, he's like, man, these guys, um, all you yeah, all you had to do with the Suns was keep playing. And eventually the team will fold. And I don't think they'll fold this year. I think they're going to take on that kind of personality that isn't going to give up. So I really I'm really looking forward to the season. So you guys, you can find Paul along with Justin on Fanning the Flames. On, that's a weekly or, or well, monthly, Ish. quarterly podcast. Wh- um, that when Season that plays, starts,
3: we get more consistent.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to try for weekly. Uh, you can find them on Bright Side of the Sun and also on your, on your, your favorite podcast app. Um, you've got Brendan and Evan who do daily locked on suns podcasts. Um, and those guys are great because they recap exactly what's going on on that particular day that it happened instead of waiting a week, like we do. So really good job. And of course, Greg and I, and along with Tim, you'll find us on solar panels, um, a full show on Saturday mornings and a half show on Wednesday evenings. So um, stay in touch, guys. Yeah,
1: Dave, I love that you just crapped on us They're like, yeah, well, we we half-ass it, but the Locked On guys—they're on it all the time. So. I'm giving
4: everybody props <laughs> except for painting the flames because you guys don't do it
1: consistent enough. <laughs> I,
4: I, you guys I, have I, a great—you guys have a great time when you do them, though. I,
1: I am always impressed with anybody that can go five days a week. I can barely do it with my own job, so congratulations, guys. So, We're so yeah, ready don't for uh, games. Don't don't forget to subscribe to the Sun Solar Panel wherever you find podcasts, and I guess you can give a subscribe to Fanning the Flames and Locked On Suns while you're there. Uh, leave a review for us and and for the other guys uh, as well. Uh, as Dave mentioned, you can find us here on YouTube Live Wednesday, 7 p.m. Phoenix time. Although that's probably going to have to rotate a little bit with the games starting, yeah. since there will be games then. But uh, we'll figure yeah, out. Let's do it on when the, night. Yeah, we'll figure out when those midweeks are, and then. You can find us every Saturday morning right here. You can support the show by clicking the link uh, in the description or uh, of this episode. So for Evan, for Paul, for. Dave for uh, everybody, Brend Brend. I always <laughs> want to say Brandon, and I was I was trying to avoid screwing up. Brendan. It
2: was smooth. It was smooth, and Dave Dave cut you off. Da- I would have da- been okay with that.
1: <laughs> for all the guys, and not Tim Tompkins, since he bailed on us and forced Dave in Idaho. Or it. Justin. Um, <laughs> or Justin, who bailed as well. I'm Greg Esposito. Thanks for listening to the Sun Solar Panel, and we'll catch you next week.